Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, you're listening to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. It is finally here. Euro 2020, the European Championship, is underway with some Roman romance as the Italians kick things off in style. What an opening ceremony. And we'll share some of our great Euros memories and hopes for this summer as well on this episode of The Game. And remember, we'll have a daily show for you throughout the tournament, so make sure you're subscribed with the best journalism as well at the tournament coming from the Times and the Sunday Times. If you subscribe there, it will be less than a pound per day. So check it out at thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game. And right now you can also get yourself a free trial. Uh, let's say hello to today's journalists, I guess, I guess. Uh, Tom Clark, Gregor Robertson and Alison Rudd. Is that the right way to announce you guys? Just just football fans tonight, I guess. Alison, you're wearing your Italy shirt. <laughs> Any excuse to bring out my collection. So I thought I might try and wear uh, the appropriate shirt every time I do the podcast. Just the winning team, obviously. I was hoping to see the flags, Alison. What's that, Gregor? So I was hoping to see the flags. You've got a flag for every nation, I remember. Well, they're so, outside. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not recording this outside in the street, am I? They're, oh, I see. Outside the, the house. <laughs> have, you put, have you put Euro's bunting up, have you? No, no, no. The word bunting is banned. So my, <laughs> my, son, my son had to come home for flag day and he told his flatmates where he was going because they, they didn't understand. And one of them said, so your mother puts up punting and he had to he had to show him a photograph of a previous tournament to show that it's as far removed from bunting as possible (laughs) these are big five foot by three foot proper beautiful flags that below that below wheeler football to the world and people stop in the street and they take photographs people use the house as a point of direction you know turn left near the house with the flags. It's a tourist attraction. It is not bunting. You've shown your hand very, very early, Alison. We now know how to wind you up for the rest of the tournament. (laughs) Just mentioned the bunting. And I'm wearing a shirt. Come on, I'm the one making the effort here. I'm wearing the shirt. I've got the flags. What have you guys got? I'm in Baku, Azerbaijan. I've shown some commitment. I've come to watch Wales. Is that okay with you guys? You know, I've made I've made the journey, frankly. Um, look, that that Tom Clark, that scratched an itch. We've been waiting so long, firstly, to see a, a, a European competition, but also to see Italy play an in international competition as well. 
Let's begin with the opening ceremony. Did you enjoy it? Did it have that quintessential Italian flavour? Oh, it was fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, every opening ceremony should just have Ness and Dorma, shouldn't it? Which just, There's no need to overthink it from now on. Just get a great <laughs> singer like Andrea Bocelli in a lovely sparkling blue jacket singing Ness and Dorma fireworks, some giant balloons that at one point I thought were going to get tangled, but then no, out comes a gymnast spinning all through the air. And then after all that, fireworks, we've got excitement, grandeur, style, and just when you think it couldn't get any better, a little remote control car brings the ball out. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. What, more, what more do you need? What more do you need? All these over-the-top people running around and doing handstands? No. Just 10 minutes, Bocelli, Ness and Dorma, fireworks, remote control car. Done. Bish bash bosh. Gregor, Absolutely. I have a feeling that you were watching it saying, what on earth is this? <laughs> no, I mean, I loved it right up until the remote control car. I thought, what on earth is going on here? It's <laughs> some kind of wind up. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, I was actually, I'll admit I got a little bit emotional. It's kind of, you know, we've waited a long time for this. It's been a hell of a year and, you know, kind of, Although although it's a strange tournament, it's a strange one that there's not like a host country and it's you know going to be shared around. That was a good opening, a great start, and a you know a little little glisten in my. Eye. Before we get to the football with Alison, I know she enjoyed it. Tom, you were admiring even before the game kicked off Roberto Mancini. You know the the man himself. You know the style of him, and I I I looked at Roberto Mancini on the touchline, how he was dressed, his hair. And then I, I thought of you and then I looked at him and then I thought of you and then I looked <laughs> and then I thought of you and I suddenly realised he's your style guru. Hugh Wasencroft, will you marry me? That's basically the <laughs> nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. I mean, it, it, there's going to be, I think there's going to be lots of interesting tactical battles on the pitch, but there's going to be some serious sartorial battles going on on the touchline. We've seen in, you know, the pre-tournament games, Gareth Southgate's moving away from the waistcoat into a kind of knitted shirt, relaxed number. He's, he's, you know, he's bringing something to the party and then bang, Roberto and his backroom staff come strolling in, shiny shoes, well-fit trousers, a kind of jacket that if any of us had put it on, we'd look like kind of, you know, a, a dodgy car phone salesman type vibe, but they just look pure class. And then he takes it off in the second half and he's got the <laughs> tie with the stars on it. He's got Gianluca Vialli behind him, just having a great time. How great was it to see Gianluca Vialli having a lovely time on the touchline after all he's been through? I mean, honestly, I, before even a ball was kicked, I was already in love with this tournament. It just, just it's, it's, it's won it for me. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. I've got to say, a picture did emerge of Vialli and Mancini during their time at Sampdoria, looking elegant in a kit, but also very stylish with his curly, curly hair. Gianluca Vialli at the time and Mancini yeah. with a... A short, you know, sweat number. Very similar, frankly, to what he've got. He's got today, and Alison Rudd's backed it up by wearing a, a shirt, which is also, I mean, the game podcast doing our own version of Italian sartorial style tonight as well. <laughs> well, I'm glad you noticed. I was, I was getting ready for a rant if no one noticed what I was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> what year? What year is that? Alison? Yeah, what's that the looks vintage? Like a kind of classic nineties, eighties. Oh, I think it's late eighties. <sighs> Deodora, that's, that's a nice collar on it as well. Italy, well, they just do everything well, right, don't they? Yeah. They, just they do, do it all right. right. I'm very jealous. They did everything right tonight as well. Um, I tipped Italy in advance. I've backed it up with the bookmakers as well. I won't tell you how much, but I'm feeling smug and confident tonight. Um, but Gregor, I'm going to start with you on this one. What happened to Turkey? Because I'm going to ask Alison about Italy's performance. But Turkey was so many people's dark horse. 
and tonight they just never really got going. How did you see it? Yeah, there's been quite a bit of hype about Turkey and they were <laughs> massive disappointment. Um, you know, I think they, 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 they entered, I think they conceded the fewest goals in qualifying, three in 10 games, and mm. they just sat far too deep and I, I don't know, there was no threat on the counter. There was, And there was some space to, to, to kind of, uh, you know, to try and, try and get in behind them. Um, but Yilmaz was just far too isolated, I thought, up top. No one really got up, up close to him. He had a really tough night. Um, and yeah, they really didn't have any craft or guile. And as, as I was saying in commentary, they looked quite fatigued in midfield. I think, you know, we have to give Italy credit though, because the, 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 most, the most striking thing about them was the tempo they played at. You know, they, they looked very well structured. Um, they're not really a team, they're a collective. Weren't really kind of a, any standouts, I thought. Spinatola on, on the left was probably the closest thing to a stand. He was, he was fantastic. But it was the tempo they played at and they really, you know, zipping purpose to their play. So that's the, that's the thing. I just might sound a little bit daft after the 1-3-0. But my only still question is like, are they going to have, have the goals, the firepower? I know, you know, Immobile got, got his first goal in a major tournament. That's a big lift for him. But um, I'm still not entirely sure that final little bit that they're going to need against better opposition. That's my only question mark. But obviously, hugely encouraging night for, for Italy to start with. Alison, what do you make of Italy's performance? Are they going to have enough, particularly in forward areas? Uh, well, they've got Verratti to come back, haven't they? Um, they Italy of all... Well, not, I mean, not literally always, but almost always been a team that chug along under the radar and start the tournaments they qualify for looking like... Oh, they haven't quite got enough, but they—they, they, I think, of all the clubs, if you sort of collectively analyse countries through the, <laughs> through the decades, they're the ones who pace themselves really well. And I understand what Gregor means—that he's got some sort of doubt. But I think that means they're probably very scary because it, what it does imply is that they are going to get better. I mean, this is what I think. This is what Italy do, and I don't. You know, maybe it's far, far too early in this podcast to mention the word England, but they are Italy are a team that um, you know exactly. What, no matter what era it is, you know what you're going to get, and everyone who comes into the team knows how they're supposed to play. They have a very clear identity. They don't break sweat. They make the most intelligent runs. Did you watch the runs, Gregor? I mean, they were very intelligent, and they don't—they don't expend too much energy. And given we've had a lot of stuff about, oh, how are we all going to cope with a, a hot summer in both London and across Europe? They're the team that will cope well with that. They don't—they don't hurtle around. <laughs> they never have, and they never will. And I mean. There's something about also, I think, if you're coming up against Chiellini, what does that do to you as a as an entire team? He just looks like he would do anything on this earth to stop you scoring a goal. And not many defenders have that presence, I think. So I was I was I was impressed, but I would contradict Gregor and say, I think this is what they do. They make you think they haven't got quite enough, but they probably have. 
Now, this is going to happen, I think, uh, from time to time throughout the game podcast, these late evening records that we'll be bringing you after all the matches. Look, our journalists have a real job to do, which is to write in the Times and Sunday Times. We just pull them onto the podcast for a chat when they can. So let's say good evening to Matt Dickinson. How are you? Uh, well, I filed, so that's good news. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I filed I filed enough words. Whether they're in the right order, I'll leave others to judge. <laughs> Did you manage to keep an eye on the football while you were doing your, your work? Did you see much of it? Yeah, yeah, no, I did. And um, yeah, to be honest, I've, I've not heard what you guys have been saying, but uh, yeah, I thought um, I thought Italy were every, well even more impressive than I expected. I mean, Mancini, we know, is is a smart organizer of of teams, but I think they were they were more front foot than I'd expected. I thought, you know, attacking fullbacks, particularly, you know. The, down down that left side I thought was yeah they were they were yeah bold bolder than um uh, I might have thought I mean they were against a Turkey team that decided to play with you know no pace I mean I, I couldn't quite work out what the, what the hell Turkey were doing you'd have thought they you know that if they were going to try and play some sort of counter-attacking then you've got to get some pace in that team so obviously there's the big unknown question of what happens when you run a, a couple of 35 year old centre-halves but um no I, I thought it was most of all I thought it was a great occasion to to you know to 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 watch and just I don't know about everyone else, but I just felt like sort of some of my senses were reawakened of just, you know, just the buzz, basically the buzz of big sport. I know we've, you know, it's coming back bit by bit, but that, that felt, um, yeah, felt like, you know, something, something returned basically tonight. Yeah. Greg has already told us he was in floods of tears, Matt, just in case you missed it. <laughs> wow. He's a very, he's a very emotional person it's at the moment. Weeks, you know? I was going to say, <laughs> his, hormones, his hormones are running all over the place. Yeah. You know, he's, he's uh, no, I, I, I can't say I cry, but I, you know, certainly the Ness and Dormer, it's, uh, yeah, I, anyone as old as me and um, remembers 1990 with a, a special place in their hearts, I think, yeah, is, is always going to be stirred by that song. And, um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought that I thought that was special. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get quite as excited by a, a mini car and a ball on it as, as everyone else <laughs> seems to have done. Um, that, I didn't I didn't take that as a life changer. But uh, no, I thought it was a real. You know, you just sort of consider that you know, sixteen thousand fans in a stadium in Italy—that's the biggest crowd they've had in eighteen months. You know, it's uh, these, you know these, these aren't small things. I, I think there's is a there's a communing. You know, suddenly I was. Social media has many ills, but, you know, I glanced on that and, you know, you suddenly see everyone, you know, oh, you know, what do you think of him? What do you think of that? You know, just, you know, what do you think of even talking about the kit? I mean, it's just, you know, people have suddenly got something interesting and positive and, you know, something we can share and blimey, the world needs a lot more of that at the moment, doesn't it? So, yeah, the Italy kit looks like a French Connection T-shirt from 1998. I'm not having it one bit. <laughs> and why did they not put it in blue? Oh, well, Turkey are the home team on the... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's not go down that route. <laughs> I, more. I knew there would be more things in one that annoyed Gregor Robertson about this game. I knew it. He came on way too cheery. You'll have to read your way for protocol 1.6, paragraph 3, clause 9 about away kits or something. Listen, I always think, I often think that the first game of a tournament sets the tone. You know, the opening match, I think a lot of the players watch, the fans watch, and they get something from it. Sometimes it doesn't deliver. And we, we wait a while for the tournament to get exciting. Sometimes, you know, it, it's fifth gear from the first match. Um, it was the first time in European Championship history the first goal of the tournament was an own goal. The 3-0 win was the biggest winning margin in the opening game of a Euros ever. So do you think the match, Tom, 
is going to help set the tone or are you expecting something different over the next, well, 10 days? Let's call it that. I think you might see a little bit more cagey football come back into it, but I hope that, Gregor mentioned it early on, that the tempo was the most interesting thing and it felt a little bit like maybe that sense of excitement and thank God this is finally here that we've all been talking about was a little bit in the players as well, in the way that they were moving around the pitch and fizzing passes and things. Um, so that'll be interesting to see whether that continues. And I just hope that we get to see players like Spinazzola and I thought Barella in midfield was excellent as well because that's, they're to me, what tournament football is all about, discovering these new players that you've never heard of before. I mean, the majority, apart from the kind of hipster European football obsessives, will not have heard of Spinazzola before tonight. And then tomorrow, we're all going to be going, what about that guy at left back who was kind of left back, but kind of a left winger with a right foot? Wow, I've never seen that before. That was really great. And we'll all be talking about him for the, you know, until tomorrow when there's another guy who's played for Switzerland or something like that. It's just, it's fantastic. But yeah, I hope, I hope it sets the tone in terms of tempo and that with fans back, we don't fall into some of those matches we saw during the season, with, which were a little slow and turgid. As someone that's, that's physically styled themselves as a European football hipster, I was surprised to hear you say that. But fair <laughs> enough. So I'm gone, Matt. Do you think he's making the most of those attacking runs till Jose takes over at Roma? Yeah, that's a very good point. That is a very good I mean, point. You know, it will be interesting to say, you know, do you think his next manager will be saying, mate, you need to bomb on as much as you can down that left side? I, I'm... Probably not. But then it'll be interesting to see what any team does against them because that does... We obviously spent all season talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold bombing on down the right as a right back and what a problem it causes in behind. And, well, you know, you mentioned it, lack of pace and things. Will a team manage to work out a way of playing against Italy where they turn that into a weakness rather than a strength? But it's it's all to play for, guys. It's all still to play for. <laughs> Alison? When, when um, Under is tackled by... Does that make it an umbrella? Have we got a new thing? <laughs> Maybe we have. We're going to try now for the rest of the podcast to make those connections and make words up from two players as much as we possibly can. That's what this podcast is going to be like. Alison, what represents a successful European Championship for you? I talk about the match setting the tone. What do you want to see over the next four weeks? I want to see underdogs do well. I don't want to see embarrassments. I, I, my only reservation about this opening game was that Turkey didn't, they looked nervous and didn't look like they have much of a plan. I don't think it's good for the tournament. If I know some people have said, oh, they, you know, they might, they might actually, you know, be rather good. There was no real evidence for that. It was a, uh, just a slight Leicester connection that got everyone excited. But, um, I, I, no, no, no. I they, beat, they beat France and drew with France. They, they had a decent qualifying, but they, they were mm. what a massive disappointment. Exactly. I don't want. The, I don't want there to be massive disappointments. I particularly don't want North Macedonia and Finland, who are making their debut appearance at the tournament, to sort of just sort of get overexcited and look, look completely out of their depth. I want them to have a tournament they can remember. Um, I mean, the, the nice thing about the European Championships is that, is that it does throw up surprises. I mean, no one really expected Portugal to, to win last time around. And you do, I mean, my favourite ever Euros was um, 92 because I spent, I sort of just went, I just went and wandered around on my own and made friends with strangers and made friends with lots of Danes. But that, that fairy tale story was remarkable. And I want, I like fairy tales. So I, you know, I'd love it if there was something else like that. I mean, no one thought Greece could win it and they did. You can, 
you can get surprises and you can see the smaller countries have some fun and it not just be dominated by, oh, we, you know, we know they're good, we know they're good. Uh, that's what would make it a good tournament for me, just for no one to go away feeling really rubbish about what they did and have a horrible feeling that tonight Turkey will, and that's not a good thing. Tom? As a man who um, today drew Hungary in the sweepstake amongst his friends, I can certainly echo Alison's hopes for <laughs> wins for the underdogs. Um, but I would say that I hope, just to return briefly to your previous question as well, that we continue to see lots of decisive refereeing because that's mm. mate, we've got 25 minutes into a podcast and we've not mentioned that three-letter acronym. I'm not even going to say because we shouldn't bring it up because the refereeing was excellent. It was decisive. For a split second, we had penalty check. And before the words could even appear on the screen, they went away again because they went, no, it's not a penalty. Carry on. <laughs> and it was brilliant. I thought the referee, I forget his name, forgive me, but he was he was superb, very decisive, controlled the game really well. Um, and yes, it was a game that Italy dominated, so there wasn't as much controversy, but I, I would hope to see that uh, set the standard as well. An advert for the abolition of BAR, Matt. He <laughs> was the referee who was actually in the truck that I went to in Holland 175 years ago. So he's to blame. You can blame him for the whole thing. He was the he was there. there the guy sat with me, going, "Right, this is how it's going to work, and it's going to change the world, and it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to football." So there you go. I could we can shoehorn it in. He just needs to referee every game. Basically, that's what you're saying. He because he knows how to control it. I spent uh, two hours stuck in a van with him. He was a very nice bloke. So I was pleased to see it went well for him too. There's been a lot of talk about Euro 96, loads of it. You know, 25 years, obviously a tournament's been moved. So we get that nice anniversary, 25 years since Euro 96. I'm praying, hoping that this tournament will be even better for England fans. Matt, do you think this summer could beat that tournament? I mean, whether it beats that, I mean, it's sort of, you know, takes so many comings together of, of things, you know, the team to do some way but there's also got to be sort of drama attached and um but you know i think there is tonight proved to me that there is that you know inside me there was even more of a yearning for a great tournament than i had realized it was like you know say that stirring of something i, I certainly felt it you know and yeah it made me think you know why well, I, I am desperate for um a, an, an uplifting month and part of an uplifting month would be to see england get on a roll i'm not going to say win it because you know yeah, they've they're they're not favourites. They've got a chance, but it's you know, I, I, you know, there's a, a hell of a lot of hurdles. But I just hope they come out and play, you know, with a bit of positivity, and we see the likes of of Mount and you know, maybe Grealish and Foden and 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 others just show what they're capable of. And and you know, I hope it goes well for Gareth Southgate. I wrote a piece about him this morning, and I'm still quite staggered by the polarised. You know, if Gareth Southgate can polarise people, then the world is a bit nuts to me, but um, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm quite struck by how all his credit seems to have just sort of, you know, been va you know dis disappeared in many eyes. So I, I hope for his sake it go it goes well because um, you know I think there's he's got something about him. Alison said 92 was her favourite Euros. What was yours? You know, I'll certainly say the first uh, half of Euro 2004 was sensational. Um, you know, we had Rooney bursting on the scene. There was, you know, that that was just had a whole momentum of his own. Um, I was staying in a very nice hotel in Cascais. That sort of helped. Um, you know, the, the, bee, the, the sea was lap, lapping at my feet uh, over breakfast. You know, if that, does that count as relevant? But no, it was. Um, I thought. I thought. I thought that momentum that England had. That was. That was the nearest I've ever felt to thinking. 
you know what, we might actually win something. And until that moment that Rooney limped off with the injury, I, I still think we, we might have done. So that was certainly that was the that was a time when I thought, wow, we England England have something going for them here. Gregor, what are you gonna say? <laughs> well it's still to come, isn't it? This tournament. Going of all course, the way, yeah. Yeah, I love John McGinn's answer last night to a question. It was like, what are you most looking forward to? He went, the final. <laughs> <laughs> yes, John. <laughs> no, for me, Euro 96 is, is still, you know, partly it's to do with your, your age as well. I was 12, that's mm. kind of the first. And that was the last time Scotland were there. I'll, I'll keep repeating this. It's been a long, long time. Um, but oh, Greece as well, because it is like, I think they won their, all three of the knockout games 1-0. Yeah. And it was like, you know, there is this other way to win. It's great. To, it's not just an upset. It was like, <laughs> this is another kind of football that can overcome, you know, the best players and the best teams. Just say and it. You I, were I born a defender. Absolutely. You wanted to see Absolutely. clean sheets throughout. Absolutely, yeah. I was honing my <laughs> defensive <laughs> skills, if you call them that, <laughs> at that age. And uh, I love to see it. You know, I like to see different styles of play and, and, you know, a different way of triumphing as well. Tom, you're going to say you're a 96. You can't say anything else. I, I'm actually not. And I'm probably going to lose the the two people who listen to the podcast who like me won't like me after this because I'm going to pick Euro 2008 when England weren't even there. Because, let me finish. Let me finish. Because my friend and I, because England didn't get there, um, a beer provider who go with the slogan, probably the best in the world, launched a competition to find the best scout in the world to go and watch a Croatia match on behalf of Fabio Capello. And me and my friend entered and we got into the final uh, and we both said, if we win, we'll take the other. Now, I didn't win because I was not that talented, but thankfully my good friend Ben won and he took me with him and we had a lovely weekend in Austria and we met Fabio Capello. We had lots of lovely uh, times in fan zones and things like that. And the highlight was that uh, in the morning, of we had a bit of free time, and we may or may not have been a little bit worse for wear. We went for a wander, and we were kind of walking down this street, and a bit hazy. I kind of looked to my right, it's petrol station car park. I was like, that's, that's Steve McLaren. I was like, Ben, Ben, is that Steve McLaren? He's like, I think it is. Oi, Steve! And he was like, I'd never seen a man so disappointed to have been spotted in a petrol station car park from Steve McLaren. But he was very nice. He posed for some pictures with us. He had a brief chat. We did mention that we were here to scout England's next opponents and he kind of looked a bit sheepish. So it was a very special memory for me. I'm sorry that I'm picking that as my favourite. Well, you're a disgrace of an England fan. You've ruined yourself for the next few weeks, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I'm an um, Italy fan now. I've told you. I've, uh, England's <laughs> all over for me. It's all about Roberto and those blazers. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Just before we end, there is something that I need to ask. Ali, Matt, and Tom, because I got the other three uh, on the last podcast to tell me what they think will happen in this tournament. So for, for posterity, so at the end of the tournament, I can rip you to shreds for getting it totally Absolutely. wrong. I'm going to have to ask you your winners, your golden boot, your surprise package, and who you think will announce themselves on the global stage in this tournament. So firstly, Alison, who do you think will win the competition? Oh, well, I'm relentlessly contrary and... And I also never change my mind once I've said something. So the first time I did the Times Predictor, I came up with Denmark. So I'm sticking with Denmark. But I usually, oh, I usually, oh. I usually do pick of the underdogs the better ones. So okay, every, so every, everyone on. laughed at me when I said Iceland would do well, and you know, last time, and you know, look what happened. Look what happened. <laughs> Didn't they just? <laughs> Matt, who do you think will win it? I think prob- probably France, but I'll say um, if you want me to pick someone different just because everyone's picking France, the, the, the team that might surprise, I mean, it could obviously get complicated, depends what happened in their group. But I, the more I look at the Portugal team, the more I think, um, you know, they've got, they've got um, yeah, a, you know, a real chance. I mean, they've got, they've got, talent all the way through front to back and I think um yeah so France you look at France you just think wow you know ticking every box but Portugal um Portugal don't come too far behind them I've decided to to predict a France explosion at some point in this tournament I just think things are going to fall apart they'll lose a couple of games they'll all start infighting they've done it before with better squads than this and they'll do it again this time I somehow think France are just, just going to spoil it at this tournament Gregor what do you think? Well there are reports of a little bit of a feud with Giroud and uh, Mbappe already who, who knows how true that is but like yeah it's starting <laughs> I think you may be right could be could be, could be Germany <laughs> um, yeah but I agree with Matt though France or Portugal for me. Tom? Like Alison, I've spent a lot of the time, a lot of my time in the build-up to this tournament doing the Times Predictor. And I've tried lots of different ways, lots of different table toppers. And every time, France end up winning it. But tonight, from tonight, I'm backing my boys in blue. Mancini and the lads are going all the way for no reason other than at the end of the game, I got a message from my brother to say, by the way, got a bet on Italy. And for the World Cup... We both had France and Italy going into the final. Zidane headbutt cost me the win. And so for nothing else in the, saying it on the podcast, Mike jinx him and his bet. I'm going to go Italy. Golden boot, Alison? Oh, that's definitely Lukaku. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Matt? Yeah, Lukaku. I mean, they, uh, yeah, for, for a lot of obvious reasons, um, they've got, a, the, he should be able to, uh, he might have it half one by the end of the group stage. Uh, che Adams. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, yeah, the London uh, decks, obviously. Yeah, yes, sorry, I got the wrong striker, didn't I? Um, Harry Kane. Okay, surprise package. 
Alison, that might be Denmark after your prediction. Uh, well, yeah, but I can't give the same answer. So I will say North Macedonia because I wrote a piece about them, which meant I looked at them a bit more closely than you might. And they have that very important ingredient, which is that they are greater than the sum of their parts and they don't have a wealth of household names. But when they're together, they play better as a group. So they will bring some surprises and that win over Germany in their World Cup qualifier won't be a one-off. Matt? Can I cheat and say we're going to be pleasantly surprised by all this wonderful officiating that we're going to see throughout the summer? <laughs> <laughs> and, and boy, boy, it will be a surprise, <laughs> given the way the world works. Tom? I mean, I, d- I don't think you're going to let me get away with Holland as a surprise package, are you? No, I will. I don't think they're all that, to be honest. I don't think they're great. Okay, well, after that, I was going to say Scotland. So yeah, fine, let me have Holland. That's fine, thanks. Which player do you think is going to announce themselves to the world here, Alison? I've got a sort of premonition that the foreign media are going to absolutely fall in love with Jack Grealish because he will be unlike most English players in that he'll play with freedom if he's picked. And I just have a feeling he's just going to be astonishing and they're going to love his, you know, lack of shin pads and diving around and being quite continental and fearless. So I I can see him not being a surprise package to us here, but surprising the rest of the world. Matt, which player are you looking out for? Uh, well, I'm staying homegrown, actually. I, I think um, I think Bellingham. I, I really hope if England are in the tournament for long enough, I, th- I think Calvin Phillips will possi- probably start the tournament because I think Gareth Southgate will go for more um, sort of, you know, mature stability early on. But I, I really think Bellingham's got every chance to... If Jordan Henderson, you know, he's clearly struggling with fitness, um, I think, you know, Phillips, say Phillips can provide stability, but Bellingham can do provide, you know, he's real sort of old school box-to-box midfield player and he's shown that he's got the maturity to play in huge Champions League games. I uh, say, if England hang, hang around in this tournament, I, I would be very surprised if Bellingham is not coming off the bench initially, but then potentially even making himself a, a starter. Finally, Tom? They're not particularly rising stars, but I think we're going to fall in love with Frankie de Jong at Holland all over again after his time at Ajax. And I also think there's going to be a lot of retrospective love for um, former Manchester United star, Daley Blind and Memphis Depay. There's going to be a lot of people going, God, they're quite good players. Why did they never make it at Manchester United? Daley Blind fizzing balls through opposition midfielders you know, on the turn and banging it in the top corner. Hugh Wozencraft sat in a hotel in Baku going, where did it all go wrong? Listen, once you see Daily Blind sprint, you're going to get the answer to that, to be perfectly honest. I'm faster than him, so I'm not going to take that from you, to be perfectly (laughs) honest. I don't know where you've got the Netherlands from. You've obviously watched one of their warm-up games and you're suddenly convinced that they're going to beat the world. Gregor, one final prediction from you, and I know you hate them, but Wales, the first home nation in action tomorrow. They're taking on Switzerland. How do you think they'll do? They were my surprise package. I don't think, you know, I think, expectation levels are dipped for many reasons but I think they've got a good chance I think having watched that game tonight that's perfect for them Italy want Italy to win the group and they're well capable of getting second place so I, I think they've got a good chance Well we will reflect on Wales first match in the competition on tomorrow's podcast as well as looking ahead to England's first match in the competition too but remember we'll be with you each and every day throughout Euro 2020 so make sure you're subscribed go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game you can sign up for less than a pound a day and start your free trial right now we will see you tomorrow
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 